Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1952-1953 season of the Jack Benny Show. This is a fairly historic episode. It is the first time that Giselle McKenzie and Jack Benny were together, um, and they would be together many, many, many times, and their their careers would be intertwined after this quite a bit. Uh, she will appear two times on Jack Benny's radio show, once this year and once next year, and then she'll appear a dozen times on his television show. Uh, I'm going to read to you a little bit about Giselle to give you some background. Um, this is from one of Laura Leff's newsletters. This is an article written by Mark Stratton, and uh, this is just going to be a little snippet of it that gives us a little background about Giselle. Trained from a young age on the piano and violin, she began her career as a singer in her native Canada. She came to the USA to sing with Bob Crosby and began a recording career. She then came to the attention of Jack Benny, who became sort of a mentor to Giselle and was instrumental in furthering her career. While touring together, their famous comedic violin act was developed in which Giselle upstaged a flustered Jack who tried in vain to keep up with Giselle's virtuosic, virtuosic <laughs> violin skills. All in great fun, of course. Their violin skit was hugely popular. One variation of this act was immortalized in the Hong Kong suit episode of Jack's TV show. The episode undoubtedly ranks as one of the funniest in all television history, along with the Lucy, Lucy's famous chocolate factory. Giselle was a frequent musical guest on many early television shows, including The Ed Sullivan Show, The Colgate Comedy Hour, and, of course, The Jack Benny Program. She hosted her own television show, The Giselle McKenzie Show, in 1957-1958. Giselle recorded on various record labels throughout her career, her most notable on Capitol and RCA. She sang in both English and French. Her biggest-selling hit single, Hard to Get, was originally telecast in 1955 as part of a dramatic program and quickly became a top ten seller. Hang on, I'm turning the tape. Of course, Giselle was best known as a cast member of the very popular TV show Your Hit Parade during the mid-1950s. A few, about three dozen-plus, of those live telecasts have survived and are available from various sources. The March 6, 1954 show features an especially ebullient Giselle singing That's Amore, one not to be missed for sure. So I'll stop there. I am going to link to certainly the Hong Kong uh, suit episode of the Jack Benny show where she appears. Also, uh, I'm going to link to a western that she appears in with Jack from his television show. I think he even plays Buck Benny, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's lots of rumors that Giselle and, and Jack were having an affair throughout um, the time he knew her. Giselle would never um, say one way or the other. She said Jack told her, you know, let him, let him wonder about it, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, it's kind of uh, humorous, but uh, I, I tend to think it didn't happen. I tend to think he treated thought of her more of as uh, like his daughter. He was very... Uh, affectionate with her. You can see in all the photographs how much he cared for her. But uh, it, it, it just feels like Jack, of course, 
loved anyone who was excellent at playing the violin, and she was certainly great at that. Uh, she could play the piano. She was just a hugely talented singer and um, entertainer. So um, I hope you have fun listening tonight to Giselle. I hope you get a chance to watch the YouTube videos I linked to with Jack and Giselle, and uh, you listen again next year when she pops back again for, for us for a time. Anyway, without further ado, here is Jack and Giselle together in a unique show because Mary Livingston, of course, is also on this. And I don't think on the television show, I never remember Mary being on any episodes where Giselle was on. So um, it's kind of interesting to hear them both uh, together with Jack, uh, especially considering the way um, the rumors and everything would flow after this. But... Um, for now, I usually try to stay away from all that, but I just thought I would mention it since Jack's mentioned it and so has um, Giselle, and I think Mary has as well. So um, we will move on. Enjoy the episode. See you next time. Oh, before I go, I just thought of one more thing. Uh, what's cool, too, is there's an episode on the, very, the new um, Lost Jack Benny DVD uh, episodes that are going to be coming out here in a month or so, and uh, one of Giselle's episodes is on there, uh, and I think um, that'll be fun to watch one of her episodes, and it's different than the uh, the two I'm sharing tonight, so it's a totally unique one that uh, I don't think anyone's seen in 50 years, so that'll be kind of cool to see Jack and Giselle again uh, together in a different way. And I believe it's the one that's kind of a tour de force for Giselle, where Jack was bragging that it was the most expensive audition anyone has ever put on because he was treating it like an audition show where she'd do all, perform all these instruments and, and sing and do all just a all-around show to show off her talents. And it paid off. It did give her her own show on television for a season, which is pretty cool. Anyway, moving on. Enjoy. See you next time. The Jack Benny Program. <laughs> California starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as you probably know, our little star is currently appearing here in San Francisco at the Kern Theater. At popular prices. Continue, Don. It has been said that Jack Benny has made more people laugh in this town than any other comedian. That's right. And now I'd like to bring you the man who said it, Jack Benny! Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don... Considering that we're doing this show away from our hometown, I don't think that was much of an introduction. Frankly, Jack, I don't care what I say about you. <laughs> what? You heard me. Why should I say nice things about a man who's going to fire me? For heaven's sakes, I'm not going to fire you. Then why did you buy me a one-way ticket to San Francisco? <laughs> because I couldn't get reservations back. Look, if you don't believe me, then get your own transportation back to Los Angeles and charge it to me. Okay. 
I'm going to make reservations for my return trip on the TWA bus. Bus? Look down, the TWA is an airplane. It flies. Not when I'm on it. That's right, Don. When you're on a plane, it's a bus. When you're on a train, it's a subway. You can change anything. Oh, hello, Bob. Hello, Jack. Hi, folks. Say, I'm sorry I'm late, Jack, but I was writing a letter to my wife, and I didn't notice what time it was. Oh, that's all right, Bob. I sure missed the family. I was so lonely, I felt like calling June and having her fly up here with all the kids. Well, why didn't you? Oh, I don't know. Two weeks in a hotel with my wife and five kids? Gee, that could run into quite a bit of money. But, Bob, you're with me. If you miss your wife and five children, I insist that you call them and have them come up here. I'll pay for it. The trip? No, the call. Anyway, if you're lonesome, Bob, occupy your time. Go around. See the sight. Oh, well, that's what I've been doing for the past few days with the boys in the band. Oh, good. Are the fellows getting a kick out of San Francisco? Yeah, but I think this town has Remley confused. Frankie? Frankie, confused? Yeah. We were all walking along Market Street, and we came to the corner of Market and Powell. You know where they turn the cable cars around? Oh, yes, yes, I've... Seen those turntables. Remley took one look at it and yelled, Hey, dig that crazy record player. (laughs) No. He stayed there for five days. He wasn't going to leave till they played Doggy in the Window. (laughs) Remley wouldn't leave. What did you do? Well, we got the motorman to bark three times and Frankie was happy. (laughs) Well, that is one of the silliest things. Come in. Hello, Jack. Well, Giselle McKenzie. <laughs> hey, fellas, you know Giselle, don't you? Oh, well, certainly, Jack. She's appearing with you at the current theater here in San Francisco. At popular prices. <laughs> She's very good, too. Say, Jack, I just dropped in to see if you had that arrangement for the new number you want me to try on Saturday's matinee. Oh, my goodness, I forgot it. I'll tell you what, Giselle, I'll call my hotel and have Rochester bring the arrangement over to you. Well, I'll be at the theater. Tell him to call my dressing room before he comes. You? You have a phone in your dressing room at the current theater? Yes, I asked the manager for one, and he put it in. That's funny. I asked the manager to put a phone in my dressing room, and he turned me down. Hmm. I mean, what have you got that I haven't got? Nothing, but I'm supposed to walk that way. (laughs) All right. Well, look, I'll go out in the hall and call Rochester. There's a phone booth out there. I'll be right back. See, that Giselle is a cute girl. So pretty, too. I think she likes me. Last night after the show, she came into my dressing room and ran her fingers through my hair. Boy, was she surprised when I walked in and caught her doing it. (laughs) I think I'll have one made out of mink. Women love mink. Hmm, there's someone in the phone booth. 
Did you make her call, Jack? No, no, there was someone in the booth. I'll call later. Well, then I'd better run along. Oh, just a minute, Giselle. You don't think the audience here is going to let you get away without singing a song, do you? But, Jack, my contract with you calls for me to appear with you at the current theater, not to sing on your radio show. Oh, you're mistaken, Giselle. You see, the contract specifies that you're to sing on my radio program, too. It's the last clause. Oh, so that's what the Chinese writing was. <laughs> yes, my lawyer is one long loophole. <laughs> now, go ahead and sing, honey. Wonderful, Giselle. I really want to thank you for appearing on my program. Can you want joyful hot thing, my darling? 
Oh, you want your money, eh? How do you like that? I just took a wild guess. You know, that's real cute, Giselle. You know, folks, we had the toughest time getting that Chinese line past the censor, you know. <laughs> anyway, oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hi, kid. Well, Mary, how are you enjoying yourself here in San Francisco? Huh? Oh, fine, Jack. But the funniest thing happened yesterday... What was it? I got on the cable car at the corner of Market and Powell, and when I gave my fare to the motorman, he barked at me three times. No. If, if you don't believe me, ask Remley. He was lying right there on the sidewalk. Mary, a man with his eyes closed is not a witness. Giselle. Hello, Mary. Uh, Giselle, have you been having a good time in San Francisco? Oh, a wonderful time, Mary. I've been everywhere. By the way, have you been up to the top of the market? Well, Jack promised to take me up, but he still hasn't. No, I'm a little afraid to go up there. I get dizzy, you know. So high. Jack, it is. He's so... talking about the prices. <laughs> oh, stop. Say, Jack, when are you going to get me that musical arrangement you want me to rehearse? Oh, yes. Excuse me, kids. I'm going out and phone the hotel. When you say, I beg your pardon, then I'll come back to you. When you ask me... Oh, good. There's no one in the phone booth. Now, let's see. What's the number of the Fairmont Hotel? Oh, yes. Douglas, 28800. Fairmont Hotel, Knob Hill, overlooking the bay in San Francisco. Operator, I'd like to speak to... Uh... Every room suited to your taste. Bachelor apartments, bridal suites, coffee shop, and spacious lobby. Operator, I'd like Elevator to... Elevator talk... service, room service, tailor shop, jewelry shop, and radio in every room. Operator, I'd also like to... Also, writing paper, pen and ink, and combination writing desk that folds up into a dresser. Operator, will you please get me the number... Maybe... Weekly rates, monthly rates, and travelers' checks cash without question. Now, look, look, I... In San Francisco, the only place to live is a Fairmont Hotel, Knob Hill, overlooking the bay. Operator, operator, I'm trying to get... I'm sorry, your three minutes are up. Goodbye. I don't understand at all. She's a Fairmont operator. That was my last dime. I'll have to go back in the studio and borrow one. Uh, did you make the call, Jack? No, I had trouble with the operator, and I used my last dime. Why don't you try using your first one? <laughs> now, cut that out. Has anybody got a dime? Here you are, Jack. Thanks. I'll be right back. ha. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you laughing at, Mary? You know, Bob, Jack always has trouble wherever he goes. Well, I didn't know he had any trouble here in San Francisco. Oh, then you don't know what happened to him yesterday morning. No. Well, wait till you hear this. Jack was asleep in his suite at the hotel in Rochester was getting ready to wake him up. <laughs> Almost time for rehearsal. 
I better go in and wake the boss up. doing so many shows, he needs a little rest. Hello, Mr. Benny's room. Soft stage, screen, radio, and television, but we'll work for anything that jingles, folds, or has a trade-in value. <laughs> Who, who's calling? The hotel manager? I know this is a classy hotel. I know it has a nice clientele. Okay, I'll tell him. Doggone, Mr. Bennett's just got to stop hanging his laundry out the window. <laughs> I don't mind in the winter, but in the spring, that long underwear looks ridiculous. <laughs> Uh-oh, look what time it is. I better wake him up. <laughs> my, my. Just look at him lying there so nice and peaceful. Oh, Ava. Kiss me, Ava. Come here, Alana. Let me put my arms around you. Come here, Marilyn. Kiss me. <laughs> what a man. He lives like a lamb and dreams like a wolf. Rochester. Yeah. How'd you sleep? Oh, not so good. That dog in the next room was whining all night. Imagine a dog being in the next room. Huh? Well, you better get dressed, boss. You'll be late for your rehearsal. Oh, I've been so busy, I forgot. Well, I better call downstairs and order your breakfast. Okay. Operator, get me room service, please. Room service? This is Mr. Benny's room. Send up some grapefruit juice. Small glass. Pot of coffee. Small pot. A bowl of cereal. Small bowl. And make out the check while you're in that small mood. <laughs> and you better send up a couple of fried eggs. That's right. Okay, Mr. Benny, I ordered your breakfast. Good. Now, Rochester, I want to wear my blue suit tonight at the theater, so please press it, will you? But, boss, you know there's valid service in this hotel, don't you? Of course I know, but what do you think I've got you for? Me? Yes, you. Well, listed alphabetically, attendant, actor, auto mechanic, barber. Look. Bartender, butler, bodyguard, bellhop, busboy. Look, Rochester. Cook, chauffeur, companion, charwoman, chambermaid. Rochester. That's I enough. I got more of yours than the federal government. Now, Rochester. Now, stop with that talk and start pressing my blue suit. Okay. Dorman, dishwasher, dust. Rochester, stop complaining. You, you don't do so much. All I know is, anytime somebody asks me to shake their hands, I gotta put something down. <laughs> now, you know that's not true. Anyway, I've gotta... Come in. Uh, room service, what's your breakfast, sir? Oh, good, good. Put, put it right here. Oh, good. Uh, put it right here on the table. Gee, it looks good, and I'm really hungry. Say, I, son, here's the check. Oh. Now, let's see. What? 
A dollar and forty cents? Why, that's outrageous. Want me to call your lawyer? <laughs> no, one long loophole is out of town. <laughs> Waiter, how in the world could this be a dollar and forty cents? Let's see, thirty-five cents for orange juice. Isn't that awfully high? Well, you see, sir, we don't grow oranges here. They come from Florida. So what? I don't have to pay for their vacation. <laughs> come well, I'm Florida. just a waiter, sir. I, I don't have anything to do with the prices. Now, look at this. Two eggs, 60 cents. Do you realize that's 30 cents an egg? Yes, sir. 30 cents for one little egg. What's in an egg that could make it worth 30 cents? Well, it's a whole day's work for a chicken. <laughs> That's a very old joke. Well, I thought it was funny when I heard it last night at the current theater. <laughs> at the current theater? At popular prices. <laughs> I know, I know. Now, let's see. 20 cents for a pot of coffee. Well, that's all right. Hey, what's that extra quarter for? Well, that's a 25-cent charge for serving meals in a room. Oh, well, open the door. I'll eat it out in the hall. <laughs> But that won't help, sir. All right, all right. Darn, I didn't order anything to have with my coffee. Waiter, what would you suggest? Well, we have donuts, finished pastry, French toast, and Cimarron rolls. <laughs> well, never mind. I'll, I'll drink my coffee without anything. Yeah, okay, goodbye. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's a tip for you. Oh, boy. This is wonderful. This is marvelous. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're so very generous. Wait a minute. I only gave you a nickel. I know, but when you're not happy, just for it and... What a silly guy. Now, Rochester, let's get... I wonder what he forgot. Come in. Hello, Jack. Oh, Mary, I thought you were the waiter. I didn't expect to see you at a rehearsal. Well, I came over because I wanted to see you alone. Why, anything wrong? Not exactly, but I was looking at the script for Sunday's program, and, Jack, I wish you'd tell your writers to stop writing things about my sister, Babe. She's sensitive. But, Mary... Like the thing they've got in this script. I'm supposed to say that it takes Babe longer to make up her face because she has to powder her noses. But, Mary, it's just a joke. If they want a joke, let them make up something. <laughs> All right, I'll speak to him. Apologize to Babe. <laughs> hmm? And another thing. I noticed in going through the script, you plan to play your violin on the program. That's right. I'm going to play my violin. Oh, yeah! <laughs> yes, again. Oh, dear. Jack, nobody wants to hear you play Love and Bloom. Mary, I've learned a new one. It's called Pretend. Now, wait, I'll get my violin and I'll play it for you. Here it is, boss. <laughs> now, wait. <laughs> oh, oh, oh!
ladies and gentlemen, that concludes another program, and next Sunday we'll be doing another broadcast from San Francisco. I want to thank Giselle McKenzie for appearing on my show tonight. Well, it was a pleasure, Jack. And don't forget to tell the people about your stage show. Oh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we'll still be at the Kern Theater for another week. At popular prices. Oh, yes, yes. Good night, folks. week to the Jack Benny Show. Don Wilson speaking. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. First in recorded music and first in television presents Transcribe, the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. When most married men want to get away on a vacation with one of their buddies, they usually discuss it with their wives and get their permission and go. But not Phil Harris. 
He makes a federal case out of it. Like tonight when he... But more about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. Every one of the dollars you'll invest in a television set is mighty important to you. So make sure you get full value for your money. Make sure you get an RCA Victor. New RCA Victor television costs as little as $199.95. Yet it's the finest TV you can buy. It has the automatic magic monitor, an exclusive circuit system that automatically brings in and holds the finest TV pictures possible. The magic monitor automatically screens out interference, automatically steps up power, automatically locks the best sound to the clearest picture, and the magic monitor is built into every new RCA Victor set, into the new Hilton, for example. The Hilton is a beautiful 21-inch console model. Finished in limed oak, it's perfect for the modern home, mixes wonderfully with traditional furniture, too. See the new RCA Victor television sets with the automatic magic monitor at your RCA Victor dealers tomorrow. And remember this, when you buy one of the new RCA Victor television receivers, you can enjoy America's finest installation and maintenance through an RCA Victor factory service contract. This exclusive factory service is another reason why every year more people buy RCA Victor than any other television. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Fay and Phil Harris. This morning, Phil received an urgent phone call from Elliot Lewis asking him to come over to his apartment. Elliot sounded very excited, but very secretive. And now as we look in, we find an impatient Elliot pacing up and down outside of his apartment building, waiting for Phil. I wonder where Curly is. Can't wait to tell him the good news. Wait till he hears Hi, it. Elliot. Fine neighborhood you moved into. What's the matter with it, Curly? This place is a nest of thieves. All the tires on my car were stolen. Well, that could happen in any neighborhood. While you're driving? <laughs> Some of my neighbors are rather adroit. Yeah. At the corner here, I put my hand out to make a left turn. I lost my ring, wristwatch, and three fingers. <laughs> hey, Elliot, what were you so excited about on the phone? What did you want to tell me? Well, I don't want to tell you here. Come on, let's go up to my penthouse apartment. Okay, I... Your what? My penthouse apartment. This place doesn't look like much on the outside, but it's real swanky inside. Come on, let's get inside and take the elevator. Ah, here's the elevator. Step in, Curly. Curly, you're going to see one of the prettiest penthouses you ever saw. Down, please. <laughs> Down? Maybe I got a bad sense of direction, Elliot, but uh, ain't a penthouse supposed to be on the roof? Well, yeah, but they had so many television antennas up there, they had to move it to the basement. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. Elliot, what's that big secret you got now? Can you tell me now? All right, I'll tell you. A month ago, I entered a contest in a magazine, and I won first prize. You won first... What did you do? Guess how many headaches there are in a fifth of tequila? <laughs> Don't be sarcastic. This was a legitimate contest, and wait until you hear what I won. Ask me what the first prize was. Okay, I'll... <laughs> Elliot. Hmm? 
this lad driving the elevator, he knows when to stop, doesn't he? We've been going down for five minutes. He'll stop when we get to my apartment. Well, how much farther down is it? I'll look at the indicator. We're 300 feet below sea level now. We got about 200 feet to go. Now ask me what the first prize was. Okay, what was the first prize? Two tickets to the Orient. Oh, and we're on our way down there now. (laughs) The hard way. Don't be a wise guy. I won two round-trip tickets to the Orient with a week's stopover in Honolulu. (laughs) Honolulu? (laughs) Oh, you lucky devil. I've always wanted to go there. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I thought the... Oh, here we are. (laughs) Here we are where? My floor. My apartment's just down the corridor. One nice thing about living down here, when you die, kid, you ain't got far to travel. I do wish you'd stop making those nasty remarks. I'm not that far down. My apartment's the third one on the left. Come on, follow me. You mean there are other people living down here? (laughs) Well, certainly. And very nice people. That's Mr. Dante's apartment. Ah, here's my place. Come on in. Well, this is my little domicile. Homey, isn't it? If you're a gopher, yes. <laughs> Look, Elliot, I'm very happy that you won the trip to Honolulu, but why did you call me over? Because I won two tickets to Honolulu, and I want you to go with me. Me? Yeah. Imagine. Just you and me on the loose in Hawaii. (laughs) Just think of it. I'm thinking. I'm (laughs) thinking. Can't you just see it, Curly? You and me on the beach at Waikiki. The hula girls dancing to and fro. To the lilting strains of aloha. Oh, sing me a strip of it, will you, Clyde? <laughs> aloha. <laughs> That's enough. Save it. Save it. <laughs> Lay some more talk on me, Dad. As the hula girls dance, a soft tropical breeze gently parts the palm leaves. And through it we see the mellow Polynesian moon. Look at that moon, Curly. Just look at it. You look at it, I'm watching them hula dance. (laughs) Ooh, look at that one on the left in that grass skirt. She ain't careful, she's gonna start a brush fire. (laughs) Then you'll go, Curly? Of course I will. There's nothing to hold you back? Of course not. Oh, I can't wait to lie under a coconut tree, sipping a tropical drink and watching them hula girls. What about Alice? She don't like coconuts. <laughs> I mean, will she let you go? I don't want you to have an argument with your wife on my account. There ain't gonna be no argument. I know how to handle my wife. I'll just walk up to Alice and say, Woman, I'm going to Hawaii for a week. 
And she'll say no and I won't go, that's all. <laughs> Curly, don't give up so easy. Let's go home and ask Alice. Maybe she'll say yes. Well, it's worth a try. Come on, I'll go home and ask her. Hey. Huh? I can just see myself on that beach at Wacky Key singing to them Hawaiian dolls. <laughs> doll that I can call my own A doll that other fellas cannot steal And then the flirty, flirty guys With their flirty, flirty eyes Will have to flirt with dollies that are real When I come home at night she will be waiting She'll be the truest doll in all the world I'd rather have a paper doll To call my own Than have a fickle-minded real-life girl I'm gonna buy a paper doll That I can call my own a doll that other fellows cannot steal And then those flirty, flirty guys With those flirty, flirty eyes Will have to flirt with dollies that are real When I come home at night she will be waiting She'll be the truest doll in all the world paper doll to call my own and have a fickle-minded real-life girl. Just as I told you, Curly, as soon as you get in the house, ask Alice if you can go to Hawaii. Look, Elliot, I've been thinking. Hmm? It ain't gonna work. She'll say no, and that's gonna be the end of it. We gotta think of, of some excuse, some some reason why why I why I have to go. Some reason. Yeah. I got it. Doctor's orders. What doctor? The doctor you went to this morning who told you you had to get away to a tropical climate for your health. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that one always works. I ain't used that since we attended the Well Diggers Convention at Cold Bucket, Nevada. <laughs> yes, sir. What am I suffering from? Oh, anything. Tell me you got gallstones or a pain in your head. Anything, but make it good. Okay, let's get in the house. Right. Elliot, if this works and we get to Hawaii... Hello, we... Phil. Oh, oh, them pains. Oh, oh, let me sit down. What's the matter? Oh, them gallstones in my head. <laughs> Killing me. Gallstones in your head. Most people have them in their stomach. Mm, that's why I'm so sick. I got high gallstones. Charlie, <laughs> come here, man. What do you want? We better change the disease. <laughs> Why don't we make it? Um, 
Tell her you got a loose liver. <laughs> that I like. <laughs> Say, uh, honey. Uh huh. I haven't got gallstones. It's something worse, and I didn't want to tell you, but I have to. Well, what's wrong with you? I got a goose liver. Loose. <laughs> Alice, I got a loose goose liver. Curly. All right, fellas, all right. What are you trying to do? Phil, you had a complete physical examination last week and there was nothing wrong with you. Oh, well, what he's got wouldn't show. You see, it's a very rare tropical disease. Uh, as a matter of fact, the only place he can have it treated is in Hawaii. What has he got? Well, I hate to tell you this, ma'am, but your husband is suffering... From ukuleleitis itch. <laughs> What's that, Elliot? Well, it's the same as the seven-year itch, only instead of scratching it, you strum it. <laughs> Elliot, come here a minute. All right, fellas, you can stop. Phil, you're not sick. I am, too. It's, it, it's my stomach. It hurts something awful. Okay, sit down. I'll fix it for you. I'll go in and get you a hot water bottle. I'll be right back. Hey, Elliot. Hmm? Told you, I don't think this is going to work. We might as well give up. You're no, not no, 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 not yet. I got another one. <laughs> this is my specialty. This one is known as the pick a fight with your wife so she'll go home to her mother while you sneak off to Hawaii routine. Let's go back to the loose goose liver bit. <laughs> I think I can do it better this time. I'll get way over no, and I'll no, really... No, Curly. No. <laughs> this fight act is foolproof. When Alice comes back, start a fight with her. She'll get mad, pack her bags, go home to her mother. Then we can go to Hawaii and be back before she knows we're gone. Okay, maybe it'll work. Well, of course it'll work if you're subtle about it. Don't be obvious. Leave it to me. All right. Here's your hot water bottle, Phil. Let me put it on your stomach and you'll feel better, darling. There. Now, what do you say, dear? Why don't you go home to your mother? <laughs> <laughs> well, this kid's as subtle as a sailor with a six-hour pass. <laughs> What's the matter with you? What's the matter with me? You come in here and deliberately put a hot water bottle on my tender little tummy. But, Phil... You're I... nothing but a belly burner. <laughs> now, look, Phil, You're after all... You're always doing things to irk me. Ever since we've been married, it's been one irk after another, and I'm getting a little fed up with it, and I'm going to tell uh, you Just that... a minute. I'm not going to stand here and let you yell at me. What are you going to do about it, and when are you leaving? <laughs> That's just what I'll do. I'll leave you till you get over this. Where are you going? To... to... to Honolulu. Good, and I'll go home to your mother. <laughs> hey, Elliot, it worked. It worked. What worked? Well, she's going to Honolulu and I get to go home to her mother. <laughs> that ain't what we're trying for. <laughs> well, 
Not unless we can get her mother to put on a grass skirt and do the hula. <laughs> that I know we ain't trying. <laughs> Phil. Phil, what's wrong with you? I told you, honey, I'm sick. Well, you do seem a little jumpy. What you need is a vacation away someplace by yourself. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I have a better idea. Music always soothes your nerves, so instead of going away on a vacation, you sit down right there and I'll sing to you. <laughs> Somebody loves me, I wonder who, I wonder who he can be. Somebody loves me, Somebody loves I wonder who, wish we who he can be worries me. For every man who passes me, I shout, hey, maybe you were meant to be my loving Baby, somebody loves me. I wonder who. Baby, it's you. We know you've looked everywhere, everywhere, everywhere in despair. Someday he'll come along, the man you love. I wish I knew who he may be. For every man who passes by, she shouts. Hey, Don't you feel better? Didn't that soothe your goose liver? Well, it quieted my liver, but the goose is still honking it up a little. <laughs> you know, honey, I think that vacation would... I don't. You don't need a vacation. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have work to do. Just forget the whole thing. Curly, why don't you belt her one? <laughs> Are you crazy? California, they sue you, take your elk's teeth, everything. <laughs> you gonna belt no women. Well, Elliot, the sick gag didn't work, the fight gag didn't work, and we're gonna have to think of another excuse if you want to spring me. Curly, I'm getting a little fed up with having to cater to your wife. We never have anything but trouble with her. Well, you know how women are. I'll admit that Alice does nag a little, and we have our little fights, but... Hey, Elliot, hmm? Making up is an awful lot of fun. <laughs> well, that part I don't get in on. <laughs> and let's keep it that way. <laughs> you want to know something, Elliot? What's that? When a woman puts her arms around you and kisses you, you forget everything. Yeah, I know, but... Forget everything? Curly, that's your excuse. What are you talking about? You're gonna get a case of amnesia. <laughs> a whole case? <laughs> I 
going to lose your memory. I don't think it'll take a whole case to do that. <laughs> no. Listen to me. Amnesia means when you lose your memory. You forget who you are. You don't know what you're doing. If you have that, you can go to Hawaii, and when you come back, your wife can't say anything because you don't know you were there. A splendid disease. <laughs> now, how does one go about contracting it? Well, the best way to get it is from a blow on the head. Well, don't stand there, Clyde. Cave my roof in. <laughs> go ahead. Gladly. You just stand still, and I'll hit you on the head with, uh... Yeah, this baseball bat will do Wait a minute, wait a minute Oh, the baseball bat What's the matter? Well, why can't we just tell Alice that I've been hit on the head and I lost my memory? Because it won't look real You have to have a mark on your head Stand still, I'll just hit you lightly Just enough to lump you a little <laughs> Just get a good grip on this bat Swing back Hold it, Kiner <laughs> Just don't try for homers now, huh? Let's get the batting average up a little bit. Just shorten up and bunt. <laughs> wait a minute. Here, wait. Look, you better give me that bat. All right. I'll show you how hard I want you to hit me. Now, hold your head still. I just want you to take the bat and hit me lightly, like this. You didn't hit me hard enough That won't raise a lump Okay How about like this? No, no, no Give me the bat I'll hit you and show you how to really raise a lump Now hold still How was that? That felt good <laughs> Oh, brother, they're really in the last stage <laughs> Curly, that last blow didn't do any good Nah, nah, didn't do nothing This time make it a little harder Ha <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one <laughs> You happy with that one, huh? <laughs> yeah Fellas, I don't want to sound like a square but why are you hitting each other on the head? Or am I too young to know about this kind of... <laughs> Julius, will you stop bothering us? He's hitting me on the head for a good reason. What's the reason? If I raise a lump on Mr. Harris's head, he could fly to Hawaii. <laughs> what are you going to do? Fill the lump with helium and float him up? <laughs> no, no. I got two tickets to Hawaii and he wants to go, but he needs a lump to show Alice so when he comes back, she won't say nothing. You won't repeat this to anybody, will you, Julius? Not unless I want to wind up in a net. <laughs> why'd you have to tell the kid? Now you're getting never... Because the baseball bat ain't gonna work and he can help us stage our fraud a better way. Now here's what we're gonna do. Julius, you go in the other room and talk to Mrs. Harris. We'll stay here. When we hear you say, by the way, have you seen Mr. Harris? I'll yell, look out, Curly. There'll be a crash. Then you'll say, what was that? And I'll say, a vase fell on Curly's head and knocked him out. You got a kid? 
As much as I'll ever get it. <laughs> Let's try it and see what happens. Good, Julius. Now, you go in and talk to Alice. Remember, the cue is, by the way, have you seen Mr. Harris? By the way, have you seen Mr. Harris? Got it. Ooh, these guys really dream them up. <laughs> the things they think of. Oh, hello, Julius. Hello, Miss Faye. By the way, have you seen Mr. Harris? Not. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, that's my line <laughs> You gotta do it like this By the way, have you seen Mr. Harris? Look out, Curly Oh no, a vase fell on Mr. Harris <laughs> Just a minute, Julius how did that go again? <laughs> Mr. Lewis yelled, look out, Curly, and then I said, oh, no, a vase fell on Mr. Harris's head, and then a vase crashed, and... Sequence ain't right, huh? <laughs> better try it again. By the way, have you seen Mr. Harris? Look out, Curly! <laughs> what was that? Stop stealing all me lines! <laughs> Calla lilies are in bloom <laughs> Where am I? What happened? Who are you? You mean you don't remember me? How could I? I've got amnesia I don't remember nothing <laughs> Oh dear, I'd better call the doctor Oh, the doctors in the States can't help him This is a tropical amnesia He has to go to Hawaii Why does he have to go to Hawaii? Because he already has his plane ticket <laughs> Mr. Lewis also has a ticket to Hawaii Oh, is he going to get amnesia, too? He don't need it. He ain't married. <laughs> he don't need no Pasadena Playhouse plot to get away from his wife. <laughs> I thought so. This whole thing was just a big, big act just so you could go to Hawaii. Well, Phil, if you want to go to Hawaii, go ahead. You mean it? I can really go? Of course you can. And I'll go with you. <laughs> I think I'll kill myself. <laughs> What you making, Curly? Elliot, you are about to witness the first tests of one of the greatest inventions of the 20th century, the Harris weather machine. Great, Curly, great. Only I came down in the basement here to tell you... Stand back, Elliot. At the touch of a dial, I will tune in perfect California weather. Look, Curly, Alice sent me down to tell Quiet, you... Quiet, Elliot. Here goes. Help me shut it off. Grab that lever. Push that button. The Harris weather machine, huh? Perfect California weather, huh? So I tuned it in on the rainy season. Stand back, Elliot. This'll take a little more work. I'll perfect perfect indoor weather yet. Curly, somebody beat you to it. You're kidding. 
You mean somebody designed the way to tune in perfect indoor weather at the touch of a dial? Who? RCA, Curly. That's what I was trying to tell you. The RCA service company technician was just here and installed the new RCA room air conditioner in the living room. In my living room? Yeah. Well, is it better than my invention, Elliot? Well, maybe it's not quite as dramatic, but the RCA room air conditioner has the heart of cold compressor and the climate tuner. That's the little recessed panel that lets you tune in cool, filtered, moisture-free air. Sounds wonderful. That rainstorm left it kind of muggy down here in the basement. I think we'd both feel better if we went up to the living room for a breath of fresh air. The part of Julius in this program transcribed was played by Walter Tipton. Next, hear Theater Guild on the air on NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1942-1943 season. Tonight's episode has special guest star Eddie Cantor on board. Eddie uh, started in radio, I think his first appearance is like 1922, a long time ago, and he was on radio throughout with his own show. He often uh, would tell stories about his personal life and his family more than most other uh, comedians would tell. Um, so folks felt like they really knew Eddie Cantor. He also would be open with his political views. And at some point, this got him into some trouble with his sponsors. And he ended up being kicked off of radio for a while. Um, Jack was instrumental in getting Eddie back onto radio again. And uh, I think Eddie was always kind of in Jack's debt for that. Jack helped Eddie, sounds like, a number of times. And uh, in Eddie's, one of Eddie's autobiographies he wrote in the early, in the 50s that I read, um, he has a whole chapter dedicated to Jack and just how uh, great Jack was to him. And he mentions a lot of these stories about Jack and the things Jack did for him. Anyway, uh, and eventually, in the later part of radio, he started being a disc jockey which is kind of unfortunate that he had to step down to being a disc jockey. And then uh, he passed away in 1964, same year I was born. So um, anyway, without further ado, here is Eddie Cantor on The Jack Benny Show. And I know you'll enjoy it. We've had quite a lot of guest stars this year. We don't have a lot of guest stars on Jack Benny Shows regularly, but we've had just recently... Oh, Fred Allen and Bing Crosby and uh, Frank Sinatra. Uh, next week we're going to have some more big names. So anyway, it's kind of fun to see them on with Jack every once in a while, especially when they're so well written like this episode. Uh, the writing for Eddie in this is great. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. You'll enjoy the episode, and we'll see you next time.
Tonight, friends, I'm going to talk about fine food, fine breakfast, fine flavor and nourishment, and I'm not going to talk about ration food. How do I do it? Well, easily, good people, easily. I talk about crisp, toasty brown grape nuts flakes. They're mighty swell eating. Yes, grape nuts flakes are tops for taste appeal. They have such a malty, rich goodness, such an outstanding, distinctive flavor, that grand grape nuts flavor, in tongue-easing, toasty flake form. And here's news for you homemakers on the thrift shift. You can buy as many as you need of those big 12-ounce economy-sized packages of Grape Nuts Flakes without spending a single precious ration stamp. Delicious, nutritious Grape Nuts Flakes are not rationed. Ask for Grape Nuts Flakes, America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who lost $50 on Rochester's horse in the Kentucky Derby yesterday and took it like a man, it says here, Jack Benny! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny, the gambler, talking. And, Don, I'll admit that I was a little disappointed when Rochester's horse came in last. But what really gets me is that I lost $50 and the whole race was over in two minutes. Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, losing $50 in two minutes, that's too fast. Why, well, several times in holdups, I've stretched it out to 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ad lib with a guy while he's taking my shoe off. <laughs> anyway, the race is over. I lost $50 and heaven knows I wish I could forget it. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, I'm really not a sore loser. What do you mean, you're not a sore loser? Oh, hello, Mary. I mean, I can take it. I never care what I lose on a horse race. What are you talking about? A couple of months ago, you lost $2 on one of Bing Crosby's horses, and you burned his house down. <laughs> I was in New York when Crosby's horse, when Crosby's house burned down. I should have been his horse. <laughs> but getting back to the Kentucky Derby I wasn't disappointed when I lost that best on Rochester's horse I heard the result over the air I walked over to the radio And I turned off the dial You bit off the dial <laughs> Mary, for the last time I was not disappointed I was not upset Then why did you run in the bathroom And try to slash your wrist? <laughs> because the broadcast was sponsored By Gillette Blue Blades And it threw me a thought <laughs> That's the only reason. Say, Jackson, you aren't the only guy that lost dough on that race. I hear Rochester lost his whole bankroll. Yeah, he wired me for some money, but I didn't send him any. Well, then how's he going to get home? He's riding his horse from Kentucky. <laughs> He'd make much better time if the horse would ride him. <laughs> Burnt cork, he had to call him. Burnt cork. I can roll a cork down the street with my nose faster than that horse can run. <laughs> It just so happens you have a very good nose for cork rolling. 
That's not the picture at all, Sid. Stop giggling, you know. You want to know something, Jackson? I won 20 bucks on Rochester's horse. How could you win 20 bucks when the horse came in last? I bet he'd still be breathing at the end of the race. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, Phil, you're the kind of a... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, you lost $50. Go ahead, kick me. <laughs> kick you? What for? It's right in my contract. When you're lonely, sad, and blue, I get it. <laughs> Don't worry, kid. I'm not going to kick you. Okay, then I'll take this pie tin out of my pants. Well, I'll be darned. There's a pie in it. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen... Lemon meringue. I know, I know. <laughs> now, let's forget about the derby and horse races and everything. We've got a program to do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature Kentucky, I mean feature attraction, <laughs> this evening, we are going to present... Oh, pardon me, Jack, I'll take it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, we would like to show you what happened last week when Jack rented Eddie Cantor's house in Palm Springs. It seems that... Now, Jack... wait a minute, Don. Nobody's interested in that little episode in Palm Springs. I rented Cantor's house. I had a very pleasant week. I paid him for it. You what? I had a very pleasant week. So <laughs> let me... <laughs> Tonight we're going to do a play. But Mary thought this would be much better. Mary, funnier. Mary, who's the boss of this program, me or Mary? Grape nuts flakes in the big 12-ounce economy size package. That's who's the boss. <laughs> if you're referring to General Foods, Don, we, we get along swell. Gosh, I remember old General Foods when he was just a yard bird. <laughs> that hair ought to be shot. <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> Mary, take my gun outside. There's no smoking in the studio. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, as I started to say, for our feature attraction this evening, we are going to present a play. Now, Jack Benny, we're not having any play. Go ahead, Don. Tell everybody what happened to us at Palm Springs last week. Okay. Well, the whole thing started when Jack's doctor told him last Monday morning that the only way to really clear up his cold was to spend a week on the desert. On the desert, on the desert. Big fat cactus. Jack and Mary had just left the doctor's office and were walking along Vine Street toward the Brown Derby, where Jack gets his toothpick. There you are, mister. Are you all right now? Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, honey. Are you sure you can manage alone? Yes, yes, yes. I'm all right. Well, goodbye, mister. Goodbye. Darn those Boy Scouts, they're always leading me across the street. <laughs> Not that old. Well, I'm starving, Jack. Let's drop in at the Brown Derby and get something to eat. I know a place right up the street from the Brown Derby that's terrific. Hand Hot Doggery. I'm not going to that joint. What do you mean, joint? Everybody goes there. Look at their slogan, Burp with the Movie Star. <laughs> Darn this cold. Imagine my doctor telling me the only way to get over it is to go to Palm Springs. Now I have to buy a tent. A what? A tent. Did it ever occur to you to stop at a hotel? I don't know anybody staying at a hotel in Palm Springs. I mean, get a room of your own, a place where you can have both ends of the towel. <laughs> oh, I might have to at that. Well, here's Houlihan's hot doggery. Let's go in. Hello, Houlihan. <laughs> 
How about something to eat? Did you just make a reservation? <laughs> I don't know, did you, Jack? <laughs> no, I forgot to. Then you baby. Look, Mr. Houlihan. I wish the plates in here were as shiny as his head. <laughs> Look, Mr. Houlihan, I'm Jack Benny. I dine here four or five times a week. You got a wonderful stomach. Get out of here before it's too late. <laughs> okay, some other time. Come on, Mary. Let's go. Wow, this fresh air smells good. We were only in there a second. We want to go on to Rito Ritzy? We'll walk down to the Brown Derby. Come on. <laughs> Gosh, the Brown Derby sure is jammed today. Give me your arm, mister, and I'll help you through the crowd. Go away, son. Go away. I don't need you. Well, if you ever do, ask for Dick Davis, Beaver Patrol. <laughs> I'll remember that. Come on, let's find a table. Yeah. See, this place sure draws the tourists. <clears throat> I hope nobody asks me, Jack Benny, for my autograph. <laughs> uh, what's that name again? Jack Benny. Well, nothing happened. Let's eat. Hmm. There's Chili as the head waiter over there. Maybe he can... Say, Jack, isn't that Eddie Cantor in that front booth? Where? Oh, yeah, that is Eddie. Yeah, I hope I look as good as he does when I'm his age. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, I just thought of something, Jack. Eddie's got a house in Palm Springs. Maybe you can rent it from him. Rent... Cantor's house? Mm -hmm. What do you mean, Rennett? He's a friend of mine. He'll give it to me. Let's sit, sit with him. Hello, Eddie. How are you? Well, Jack, Mary, come on, sit down. <laughs> well, Jack, what are you doing in the derby? Raining outside, huh? <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 it was Mary's, Mary's idea I haven't seen you in a long time, Jack You look marvelous Well, thanks, Eddie, thanks I've been pretty sick, you know Well, sick or not I hope I look as good as you do when I'm your age <laughs> hmm. Well, how's the, uh, how's the family, Eddie? How's Ida and the boys? Oh, they're all... Boys? What are boys? <laughs> boys? Jack, my kids are girls. You're oh. thinking of Crosby. Crosby? Yeah, remember I burned his house down for you when you were in New York? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, thanks. Well, go ahead and order something to eat, Mary. Incidentally, the peanut butter sandwiches here are delicious. In <laughs> Incidentally, I'm having the cream turkey. Incidentally, the cream turkey costs $1.75. Incidentally, everybody's looking at us. <laughs> Let them look. They're looking, they're looking. All right. You can have the cream turkey, Mary. But if I ask you for a kiss on the cab on the way home, don't say what for. 
Say, I'm kind of hungry myself. What do you have in there, Eddie? It looks good. Chicken soup with egg noodles? Chicken soup with egg noodles, huh? I think I'll have some of that. Okay, I'll have the way to bring you a spoon. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, I'll order some. A bowl for myself. They haven't got it today. I brought this one from home. <laughs> oh, spoon, waiter, spoon, spoon. What for? I want a spoon to eat chicken soup with my friend here. He brought his own spoon. Look, I came unprepared. Give me a spoon. Here you are. Thanks. And waiter, bring me an order of cream turkey. At last, a sale in this booth. I can't believe it. Fresh <laughs> <Right>, guy. <laughs> Gee, this soup looks good. Yeah, let's start. One, two. You know, Eddie, I'm sure glad I... <clears throat> Boy, this is hot. You know, Eddie, I'm sure glad I... Eddie, would you mind eating with your left hand and putting your right arm around my shoulder? I'm too far from the bowl. Is this better, Jack? Eh? Oh, I'm sorry. My elbow's in your rear. <laughs> yeah, we got to think of something else. Well, why don't you put your right hand through my left sleeve and then we can both dip at the same time, huh? <laughs> no, then we'd have to cut a hole in your coat. Well, that won't work. Why don't you put the bowl on my head and eat piggyback? <laughs> you go and get that cream turkey. I think we're all right now, Eddie. Let's go. One, two. As I was saying, Eddie, I'm sure glad I bumped into By you. By the way, Jack, would you mind breaking a cracker and putting it in the soup? Sorry, Eddie, but I can't stand crackers in my soup. Well, break one in any way and float it over to my side. <laughs> Okay. There. Anyway, Eddie, I'm sure glad I, I'm glad I bumped into you. I, you see? You see, the crackers aren't floating. See, they're all on my side. Well, tip the bowl a little, will you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Get ready, Eddie. Yeah, I can hardly make that. Get ready, Eddie. Forward soup. Hey, Mary, while you're waiting, why don't you get a spoon and join us? Don't bring guests. It's crowded enough. What do you think? This is the Hollywood Bowl? Well, it's so delicious. I thought... Whoop, whoop, hold it. Hold it. Hold it there, Eddie. What's the matter? That noodle is mine. Most of it is on my spoon. Now, give me that noodle. Oh, no, you don't. Let go of that noodle. You let go. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You look like two robins with a worm. <laughs> well, I've had enough anyway. Here's your cream turkey, miss. Thank you. Do you want three forks with it or are the boys sitting this one out? <laughs> Don't be so smart. Well, I've been trying to say, Eddie, I'm sure glad I bumped into you. You know, I'm going to Palm Springs for a few days, and I thought maybe you'd like to join me. I thought maybe we could get a room together in a hotel. I don't think I can make it, Jack, but say, I'll tell you what. What, what, what? Tell me what, what? Well, no, I don't think you'd like it. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Tell me. Tell me, what were you going to say? Well, I happen to have a little house down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why don't you stay there instead of a hotel? Well, that's, that's darn nice of you, Eddie. What would you charge me for it? Oh, Jack, we're friends. We've known each other for years. Take the house for nothing. No, no, Eddie. Now, wait a minute. No, friendship is friendship. But I don't want to take advantage of it. Now, I insist on paying you for your house. Take it for nothing, please. I'll feel better. But, Eddie, I'll feel much better if you charge me something. No, for. no. Now, come on, cut it. How much do you want for one week? One week? What is... 
$300? I don't like swimming. And four bedrooms. I've had insomnia for two months. Now, Eddie, help me sleep. Cut that price. <laughs> All right, you can have the house for $250. How's that? I'm still restless. <laughs> Look, Eddie, give me the house for nothing. You'll feel better, like you said. All right, Jack Benny, I'll give you the house for nothing on one condition. What's that? Look, there are plenty of hotels in Palm Springs. Don't start a new one, will you, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. Well, thanks, Eddie. All right, you're welcome, Jack. So long. So long. I'll see you later. in the blue of evening sung by Dennis Day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, to continue with our story of what happened when Jack rented Eddie Cantor's house in Palm Springs. Ed, you big fat stool pigeon. Tell him everything. Well, bright and early Tuesday morning, Jack, Mary, Dennis, Phil, and Jack myself Mary, were Dennis out on Highway 99 hitchhiking our way to oh, Palm Springs. Mary had no trouble stopping a truck. I use the old garter trick, folks. Yeah. And before many hours had passed, we had arrived at the Springs and were hiding in the bushes in front of Cantor's house. It uh, seems that Jack thought it was Now, listen, everybody. You stay in the bushes here, and I'll go up and ring the doorbell. What do we have to stay here for, Mr. Benny? Not so loud, Dennis. If you think I'm going to spend five days in these hollyhocks, you're crazy. It'll only be for a few minutes. Once I get inside, you can all drop in casually. I don't want the caretaker to tell Cantor that I brought a whole gang with me. 
After all, you know how cheap he is. How cheap is he, expert? <laughs> Bill, pull your head down and try to look like a hollyhock. I look more like a gladiola. Quiet. I worry about things. Dennis! Like... Flowers should be smelled and not heard. Now remember, fellas, when I give the signal, come in casually, you know? Let's see. Where's the doorbell? Oh, here it is. We want candor. What a ham. <laughs> Pull your heads down, kids. Uh, here comes somebody. Holy smoke, the house is haunted. How do you do? <laughs> How do you do? Are you the custodian? I beg your pardon. I said, are you the ca caretaker? No, you didn't. You said, are you the custodian? <laughs> well, custodian and caretaker are identical. They're synonyms. They're synonymous. You save time by ignoring me. <laughs> Look, all I want to know is, what, what do you do here? Eddie Camper pays me to stay here and keep burglars away. Burglars? Well, mm. Are there many burglars in Palm Springs? Mm, only me. <laughs> Oh, you're kidding. You wouldn't take anything. I wouldn't take anything. Have you got the correct time, please? Why, it's... That's strange. I must have left my watch at home. Ha-ha! <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> mm. Well, look, look, I'm Jack Benny. The feeling is mutual. What do you mean, the feeling is mutual? I don't like you, and you don't like me. Look, I'm Jack Benny. Mr. Cantor said I could use his house this week. You're Jack Benny. You're Jack Benny? Yes, I'm Jack Benny. If I look like you when I reach your age, I shouldn't reach it. <laughs> What's that got to do with it? Are you going to let me in or not? <laughs> yes, come in and bring those hollyhocks with you. Come on in, kids. Everything's all set. Come okay, on. gentlemen, we all took our luggage, went inside the house, and made ourselves comfortable. Jack, of course, took Eddie's room and started to unpack his bag. Let's see. I got my white flannels and my blazer. My parasol, in case it gets too sunny. Here. <laughs> and here's your bathing trunk. Thank you. Now, where's my... Oh, darn it. Now I won't be able to go in swimming. What's the matter? Did you forget your muscles? <laughs> no, I forgot my water wings. What's the difference? You couldn't blow them up anyway. <laughs> Cut that out. Hey, Jackson... Tanner's sure got a swell layout here. Look at all those pictures of movie stars on the wall. That's right, Bill. We're all up there. There's my picture over there. Where, Mr. Benny? Right there, above the dresser. That's Gene Autry's horse. <laughs> oh, yes, the white mane fooled me. <laughs> Although I gave Tanner a beautiful picture of myself. It must be around here someplace. Oh, Dennis, will you please put my razor and my toothbrush, uh, toothbrush in the bathroom? Well, yes, sir. And Mary, put my cold cream on the dressing table, will you? Okay. Now, where did I put Oh, my... Mr. Benny! <laughs> what is it, Dennis? I found your picture! 
I knew he had it around here someplace. Who can that be? I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Eddie. Are you comfortable? Is everything all right? Oh, swell. The house is wonderful, Eddie. I'm glad you like it. By the way, Jack, I had a little talk with Ida, and I told her I'd let you have the house for nothing. How'd she take it? When I stopped bouncing, it was $300. (laughs) You mean Ida expects me to pay $300 rent? Yes, and 10 cents for the chicken soup. All I can say is you're a fine friend. Well, don't blame me. Don't blame you. Who's the boss of your family? You or Ida? I'll call you back. You're standing right here. (laughs) But Eddie, argue with her and sis. What are you, a man or a mouse? I'll have to call you back on that, too. (laughs) Okay, I'll send you a check. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm sorry about this, Jack. But anyway, have a good time. Ida, stop pushing. I can certainly wish him a good time. Have a good time, Jack. Keep it. How a woman can make such delicious chicken soup and be so mercenary. Oh, well, what do we do, Jack? Go home? We can't go home. I'm stuck for $300, 10 cents, and a wristwatch. Now, listen, Mary, and this goes for all of you. You're all shipping in and paying for your rooms here. Phil, you get the big room at the head of the stairs. That'll be 10 bucks a day. And Don, yes, you get the corner bedroom with cross ventilation. That's $12.50. Dennis, you can sleep on the Davenport for three and a half. Mary, you take Ida's room and we'll put a sign out front, tourists accommodated. I'll get that $300 back if it's the last thing I do. Well, Eddie, I I want to thank you and Bert Gordon, the mad Russian, for coming over here today. And, uh, really, I was thinking... Oh, stop thinking. You've got the violin under your chin. Phil is ready. I'll sing, all right? Okay, let's go. Come on. Give us an introduction. Every star above knows the one I love, sweet. (laughs) And the moon up high, I'd like to kill that guy, sweet. No one else, it seems, ever shares my dreams. And without you, dear, I don't know what I'd... When you're feeling mighty blue, grape flakes is good for you. Out of mine, you live all the time, sweet. No one else, it seems, ever shares my dreams. And without you, dear, I don't know what I'd... Wish that he would play piano so I could tell my sweet Ipana heart of mine. You live all the time, sweet Sue. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know the slogan that will probably go ringing down the corridors of time when it comes to the history of better living? That's Uncle Sam's famous new slogan, The Basic Seven. The Basic Seven was created to ensure a better fed and hence more efficient America. Makes sense, doesn't it? Makes wise sense. So learn and live by The Basic Seven, the seven groups of foods our government urges us to eat daily including proteins, carbohydrates, fats, minerals, and vitamins, because these supply the energy and tissue-building material we need for all-around good health. 
Featured in the Basic 7, you'll find whole grain cereals such as crisp, toasty brown grape nuts flakes. In Group 4, you'll find milk. In Group 3, fruit. Combine these and here's one simple, inexpensive way to get well started on your daily Basic 7 food menu. Here's a breakfast, lunch, or supper combination that's mighty tempting and tasting and, more important, rich in essential food values. Remember, it doesn't take a single precious ration stamp to buy thrifty Grape Nuts Flakes. number of the 31st program of the new Grape Nuts Flake series. We'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Good night, folks. <laughs> the Jack Benny program is written by Bill Marlowe and Ed Beloyer. <laughs>